0: Welcome to the Criswell College Chapel podcast. Throughout each semester, the entire campus gathers for worship through song and a biblical, challenging, and encouraging message. Speakers include pastors, professors, and local business and nonprofit leaders. At Criswell, we believe spiritual life is vital for everyone. And that is why Criswell's goal in chapel services is to emphasize loving the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, and all our strength. We cultivate leaders who are ambassadors, cultivators, peacemakers, problem solvers, and professionals. While chapel services are tailored to students, we're encouraged by all our guest speakers by knowing that the practicality of what is being spoken is for everyone. To learn more about Criswell College, visit Criswell.edu. Thank you for joining us. Today, we'll be hearing from Dr. Christopher Graham. Dr. Christopher Graham is Vice President of Academic Affairs and Professor of Theology at Criswell College. His academic research is focused on early Christian theology and biblical interpretation, as well as evangelical and Southern Baptist theology. He and his family have been residents of Southeast Dallas for over 20 years. Without further ado, Dr. Christopher Graham.
1: I've entitled this morning's message Calling Out the Crowd, to be called out of the crowd, to care for the crowded. Calling out the crowd. To be called out of the crowd, to care for the crowded. We're going to go through th- these three steps, dipping into passages from the Gospel according to Luke, and we're going to be going to begin that first step in Luke chapter three. Luke chapter three, calling out the crowd. Once you get to Luke 3, you will see that this chapter begins with um, and uh, deals with the ministry of John the Baptist. There in verse 3, you see it says, and he, John the Baptist, came into all the district around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. I'd like for us to pick things up there in verse 7. He, that is John the Baptist, therefore began saying to the crowds who were going out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father, for I say to you that God is able to, from these stones, to raise up children to Abraham. And also the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the the crowds were questioning him, saying, Then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, Let the man who has two tunics share with him who has none, and let him who has food do likewise. And some tax gatherers also came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than what you have been ordered to. And some soldiers were questioning him, saying, and, and, and us, what, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse uh, falsely and be content with your wages. Calling out the crowd. Our tendency is to think of the, that word crowd in merely quantitative terms. We think about the number of people Uh, that are a part of a crowd. and, And that, I think, is typically where our mind goes. But the fact is, we have a number of words in English for a large group of individuals. Well, that word group or horde, or mob, or congregation, or audience, and uh, we could go on. Even the word multitude, some of your translations here may have that word uh, here in these verses instead of the word crowds, multitude. And that really gets to really the number that are a part of those who are going out to see John. But really, the word crowd... And the reason we would choose the word crowd has to do with the nature of that group, not merely the quantity of that group. We know this from our English idioms and phrases that have that word crowd. I mean, two, two is company, but three, it's a crowd. Uh, We run with the wrong crowd. Uh, It's getting crowded in here. We play to the crowd. We, we find that word crowd uh, in phrases and idioms which speak to some sort of negative aspect of this group of people. And I believe Luke was also intentional in the word he chose, in which he is speaking about the ministry of John the Baptist here, especially in verse 7 and 10. You see... Luke also had had at his uh, disposal a number of words that he could have chosen to speak of this large group of people. Just earlier in chapter 2, when he was speaking about that large number of angels that that, that came to to give the message of Jesus' birth, he doesn't use the word he uses here. He uses a different word, but here he uses the Greek word aklos. And sure enough, as we read through Greek literature, and we read even in the Gospel of Luke and in the New Testament, that word crowd, that is underlying the word crowd here, aklos, is used and has a negative, even pejorative nuance. As a matter of fact, it gets developed in an extended sense to actually mean Annoyance. And there are even compounds and derivatives from that word aklos that that carry this pejorative, this negative meaning. Uh, For example, the word for unruly and disorderly is derived from aklos, or akleo is to be in trouble or to trouble. Sure enough, in the New Testament, that word aklos is used 175 times, never in the epistles, never in the letters, but frequently in the gospels and so also luke uses that word aklos frequently in his gospel and many times it is with this sense of negativity it's often the crowd or someone associated with the aklos who's getting reprimanded or rebuked or contradicted by jesus or here as we see uh, by john the baptist the disciples are a, a group distinct from the, the aquas, and Jesus will have to leave the Aklos in order to find a place to pray because the, the Aklos, the crowd, isn't conducive to that sort of activity. And so also the Aklos, as we will see in just a, a few minutes, is often obstructing individuals who really want to get to Jesus. So, in calling out the crowd, I would like us to look here in Luke chapter three at how John the Baptist calls out the crowd. What does he tell us, and what does Luke by narrating what is going on in this encounter? What do we learn about the crowd? What do I mean by calling out the crowd? Let's start here in verse eight. This is the this is John speaking to the crowd. Therefore, bring forth fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. So first, he calls them out for trying to hide behind an identity that they may want to think they are, but they actually aren't. It is true. He goes on to, to say that God is able to raise from these stones the, to raise up children to Abraham. And so, so John uh, uh, ends with that, and we tend to focus on that. But notice how he's how he's uh, how he's dismissing the crowds who are trying to claim something that they really aren't uh, that they're they're the fruit of uh, of their actions or their actions are not the fruit of repentance they're not fruits of one the fruit of one, of ones who are truly the children of Abraham the the ones of God so part of what it means to be the crowd is to not be someone but he goes on Verse 10, and the crowds were questioning him, saying, then what shall we do? And he would answer and say to them, by the way, let me, before we read what he says, he could have said a lot of things. Maybe we, if we had filled in the blanks to the crowd, we, we, we would have said a lot of things. But here's what he says. Let the man who has two tunics share with him who has none, and let him who has food do likewise. Wow, fairly pedestrian, fairly boring, fairly mundane it seems, and yet that is what they are doing, which characterizes them as a crowd. You're treating each other like fragments. You don't even care enough to give someone the basic needs of life. You are, you're, you're centered on yourselves, and you're only consen- concerned for yourselves. You see, this is what characterizes the crowd, there's no continuity, there's no coherency. There's at least a mob is going after something. A crowd is just the crowd. Each one out for themselves. Dog eat dog. Uh, it's a matter of it's a matter of survival. You know you know what the crowd is. They're the annoyances. Uh, I appreciate Hayden praying the way he did and praying for us when we find ourselves in the midst of an enemy who is out to destroy us and understanding that we, we I am at, at, at the object of that. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just the little annoyances, the, the, the crowd who just can suck the life out of you. Let me give you some examples in Dallas in 2023. You know, they're the ones who ride your tail in traffic and then impatiently speed around you. Mm, mm. they're the ones who relish in the drama and spill in the tea about other people they love to gossip and slander meaning uh, polycarp in the second century calls out the crowd for their meaningless talk just meaningless it's it's empty it's just talking to talk it's people who are looking one way and walking the other way at the state fair. Mm, doesn't that just, they, they're all, they don't care about it. Maybe they have something in their hand and they're walking, looking at that, but it doesn't have to be that way. They're just looking this way and going that way. They're the ones that leave the seat up. They're the ones that get in line, that they get in line at the grocery store knowing they have more than 10 items for the 10 items or less. Just they don't care. They don't care. They're just concerned with themselves. And notice, as you read through the Gospels, it doesn't matter which of the four you read through, notice that the crowd is always what we call in literary terms just a flat character. They're just the crowd. A formless grouping of individuals. As one uh, reference book says uh, of the word aklos, it's this. What almost always seems to be in view when that word is used is an unorganized crowd of people not formed or characterized by any specific background to them. They're uh, They're just the group that does their own thing. Not concerned with any one thing or each other, according to what John is saying here. You see, that's John calling them out. By the way, then he goes on to speak about tax gatherers. I just want to draw attention to what he says to the tax gatherers. Collect no more than what you've been ordered to. That will come in handy when we get to our next step this morning. And also the soldiers, he says, do not take money from anyone by force or accuse falsely and be content with your ages. That, that will come out in a moment as well, the importance of that. But the crowd, they're just an organized crowd of people. They're an annoyance because they're so self-centered and don't care about anyone else. By the way, in the early 14th century, the poet Dante, I think, described beautifully the nature of the crowd. You'll probably have been exposed in some form or fashion to the Inferno by Dante, and you'll remember that the Inferno by Dante is is an elaborate description of a pilgrim's journey into hell where he meets... Nine levels of despicable individuals, the lustful, the gluttonous, the thieves, the seducers and heretics. And Dante is a master of explaining all of this in lurid detail. But before he gets to any of those, just after he passes through the gates that end with abandon all hope, You who enter here. Just after he passes that in Canto 3, before he even gets to hell itself, he's in what some describe as the anteroom, the vestibule of hell. He's not actually in the inferno yet. Here is what the pilgrim encounters. I want to read just a bit for you. I, the pilgrim, heard for the first time, and I wept, shuddering, din of strange and various tongues, sorrowful words and accents pitched with rage, shrill and harsh voices, blows of hands, with these raised up a tumult, ever swirling around in that dark air, untinted by a dawn, as, as, beautiful image here, beautiful as sand grains whipping when the whirlwind blows, said I, To the one guiding him, said I, who are these people conjured by their pain? And the guide said, this state of misery is clutched by those sad souls whose work in life merited neither praise nor infamy. Here they're thrown in among that petty choir of angels who were for themselves alone. Not rebels, not faithful to the Lord, heaven drives them out to keep its beauty pure nor will the deep abyss receive their souls lest they bring glory to the wicked there the world allows no rumor of them now the ones who are still alive the the guide says to Dante the ones who are still up up on living and doing going about their daily daily basis uh, 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 works the world allows no rumor of them now mercy and justice heaven and hell hold them in contempt and then, the, here, this is beautiful. This is how, this is how the, the, the Dante, speaking through the guide, says, let's not talk anymore about them. There's nothing more to say about them. This, I believe, is the image of the crowd. It's the ones who are caught. They're, they're not the ones waging war against us. They're the ones who are just, eh. Another biblical a New Testament author will speak, I think, uh, in the terms of they're just lukewarm. They're just going about concerned for themselves. And this forms the crowd. By the way, I pointed out when we were looking at verse 8 here, when, when John the Baptist says to them, before they say a thing, but perhaps knowing them well enough to say, don't say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. You see, there's no identity in the crowd. You're just, well, another Poet said it this way, you were just a face in the crowd. You were just a face in the crowd. Out in the street, walking around, a face in the crowd. Calling out the crowd. But that changes, you see, when you are called out of the crowd. And to... To see that, I'd like us to turn now to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. What does it mean to be called out of the crowd? And I want to back up, now that you're at chapter 19, just a few verses into, verse eight, into chapter 18, and begin in verse 35. I think it's important for you to see this as a context for what we're going to read about in verse 19. So chapter 18, verse 35, and it came about that as Jesus was approaching Jericho, a certain blind man was sitting by the road begging. Now hearing a crowd going by, the blind man began to inquire what this might be, and they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by, and he called out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, and those who led the way were sternly telling him to be quiet. The crowd, be quiet. And he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded that he be brought to him. And when he had come near, Jesus questioned him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well, or more strongly your faith has saved you. And immediately he began his, he he regained his sight and began following Jesus, glorifying God. And when all the people saw it, they gave praise to God. And Jesus entered and was passing through Jericho. Now we're in chapter 19, verse one. And behold, there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus and he was a chief tax gatherer and he was rich. And he was trying to see who Jesus was and he was unable to because of the crowd. He was small in stature. And he ran on ahead and climbed up into the, a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to, Z- and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he, that is, Zacchaeus, hurried and came down, and Jesus re- received him gladly, and, re- and received Jesus gladly, excuse me. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble. They, the crowd, at least saying, He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, just to get it out of the way, because some of you can't get it out of your heads. Let's just do it. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord passed his way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down from there. I always thought that was like, but it's not. Zacchaeus, you come down from there for I'm going to your house today, for I'm going to your house today. Okay, we got that out of our system. Let's get into it, right? Because Luke uses language here to tell us this isn't merely, though it is a great story for children and makes for a great children's song, it is more than that. When he says to him, it is necessary for me to go to your house. There in um, uh, um, verse um, um, 5, I must stay. Come down. It is necessary. Or uh, verse 9, today... When Luke uses those words throughout the book, they tend to indicate something bigger than just that episode. Something pivotal is happening in the narrative of the life of Jesus. So this isn't merely a throwaway story. This isn't merely a nice, quaint little story. This is significance. At the very least, it's significant because it's juxtaposed. It's set right next to the story we've read first, which is the story of the one who is sitting by the road, coming into Jerusalem that is, that is blind and a beggar. And now you have the one who is, well, he's, he's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. And not only that, he's rich. Right? Luke, Luke doubles down on who he is but also because it draws our minds back to Luke chapter 3. You see, Zacchaeus is in the midst of the crowd. And he can't see the crowd, just like Bartimaeus is, uh, the crowd is getting in the way of what Bartimaeus wants and needs to, to do to, to reach Jesus. So now, the crowd is impeding Zacchaeus from seeing and from hearing Jesus. So, Zacchaeus climbs into the tree to see Jesus and for that to happen. And the point for me this morning in drawing our attention to that is to see what happens when we are called out of the crowd. Verse 5, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for today. I must stay. It is necessary. I stay at your house. And so Zacchaeus came down and received him gladly. And when they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said, Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. Remember back here in Luke three don't say to yourselves, you're children of Abraham. But here, this Zacchaeus, he's one. Look at the fruit that he is bearing. And what fruit is that? Well, uh, the, the fruit that, that, that John the Baptist said you should be, uh, is, is not to be so concerned for yourself that you are giving to others, that you're giving and caring for one another or others. And sure enough, what does Zacchaeus say? Listen, I, uh, uh, even though I am a tax collector known for Right, whether we know whether he was or not, he has the reputation for being one who is gathering things to himself. His 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 promise to Jesus, the actions he is to take is that uh, this is displaying a fruit of repentance. When he is called out of the crowd, you see, when we are a part of the crowd, we are a flat character. But when you get called out of the crowd, you have depth, you have texture, you have meaning. When you are a part of the crowd, you're disconnected. You're a fragment. When you are a part of the, when you are called out of the crowd, you become somebody because now you are connected. You are a part not not just of the house of God, but of the people of God. You're no longer merely a digit, but you are you are someone. You have a name. You're no longer anonymous, but you are known by name and called by name. And in in the crowd, there is no love for one another. There is only me taking care of my needs. But in a crowd, there is, but out of the crowd and in in God's presence and being called into the family, there is a place to love one another. Of course, the letters, Paul and Peter will, will speak of this reality in other ways. You were once not a people, but now you are a people. You were once far from God, but now you are being built into a building in which the Holy Spirit is dwelling, and Jesus Christ himself is the cornerstone. You are now a bride of Christ in this intimate relationship with Christ and being sanctified by the Spirit. So it's not its not language that's uncommon to us, except we often don't think of it in terms of of being a part of the crowd, but now being a part of a communion and not isolated. Before we move to the third point, I just want to maybe talk about some action points for us this morning in light of this. First, some of us need to remind ourselves of who we are and therefore what we are doing as a result. Some of us who have been called out of the crowd, this morning you need to remind yourself, you've been called out of the crowd. You need to, you, you and I need to, to dismiss the voices that continually tell us that we're just a part of the crowd, that we're still this, when in fact you have heard and responded to the voice and you are called, you are not that anymore, right? That's, that, that, that's what Zacchaeus has to do here. They're grumbling about Zacchaeus and Jesus going to his house. The crowd is saying, mm-hmm, I knew it. Jesus going once again, dealing with all those lowlifes in his house. And Zacchaeus has to remind himself to, of who he is now. He has been called by Jesus. He has been called, to use the words of Paul, out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son, you see. And some of us this morning need to remind ourselves that we are no longer just a face in the crowd. You have been called into the communion of the beloved son. We also need to remind ourselves that as such, we should act like the people of God that we are. For, for Zacchaeus, it, it seems and it, it feels spontaneous and it feels uh, uh, what maybe we would say organic, right? It just happens. And, 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 and sometimes that happens, but sometimes we just need to remind ourselves this is proper and this is not proper when we are the people of God. Uh, Paul does that. Uh, some of you have memorized and some are now memorizing the book of Colossians. If you didn't memorize it, you at least remember reading it. Uh, 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 Paul, Paul, Paul says, listen, you, you must get rid of, you must have nothing to do with things like impurity and uh, 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 the, the, the things that, that bring about the wrath of God. That was what you were. But you must also get rid of anger and filthy, abusive language. And you should be encouraging each other, having patience, humility, and kindness, singing to each other with hymns and songs from the Spirit. That's what's proper when you are in communion. And some of us this morning just need to remind ourselves that having come out of the crowd, we still carry around the, 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 the actions of the crowd. The list I gave you earlier of what the crowd looks like in 2023, by the way, that's not the list that I think about often because that's the list of who I am. I'm the one who rides on your tailgate, and when you're going too slow, I speed around you. I'm the one, y'all. I'm the one who okay, I know it says 10 items or less, but you know, if I count all of these things as one, then it's really just, I know it's 20, but really in my mathematics, it's really just 10. I'm the one that will look this way and walk that way. And I need to remind each other that any of that that is associated with me being self-centered has no place when we are with and loving one another. We just need to be reminded of that. Second action point. We need to create places where people are reminded who we are and what we are doing. We need to remind ourselves, we need to be intentional in cultivating places in our churches. If you are in pastoral uh, uh, leadership anywhere, in in your family, you need to create and cultivate spaces where the communion can be the communion and to remind and continually affirm people in who they are in Christ. Because y'all, we live most of the time where the crowd is telling us who we are. They're trying to define us and identify us, and we... Criswell College need to create places where we can get out of that and put that aside, and remind each other who we are, and encourage each other to be who we are, and to do the things that we ought to do with each other. That is what we do in our churches and in our families. The third point. Well, uh, we'll get to the third point of the, of the message, but first, I just I would be remiss if I didn't say this before we get there, and that's this. Some of you are still in the crowd. Maybe not a lot. But some of you are still in the crowd. You are still in, with Zacchaeus or with Bartimaeus before, before, uh, before they heed the call, before they hear, before they, before they are called out of the crowd. And some of you this morning need to just hear the words of Jesus. I see you. I see you. Come to me. I must go to your house today. Calling out the crowd to be called out of the crowd to care for the crowded. We're going to take one more step. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 5, and this is where we will end for the morning. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. I'm taking us to this passage because someone else took me to this passage and got me going on the whole topic for today's message. An author with the last name Jennings with a book subtitled An Education in Belonging alerted me to the importance of the crowd in Scripture. I've missed it until I was preparing and began to prepare for this message and he alerted me to it. Specifically, he drew my attention to Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Now, it came about that while the crowd was pressing around Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. We're not going to read further except to say that what follows, of course, is the calling of disciples. And Jennings says this, Of Luke chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus created the condition for the crowd, reflecting God's desire for the gathering. The crowd was not his disciples, but it was the condition for discipleship. It is the ground to which all discipleship will return, always aiming at the crowd. That is the gathering of hurting and hungry people, end quote. You see, we are, we have been called out of the crowd, and and we are the people defined by our being the people of God. And we do things that are appropriate to what it means to be this people. But that does not keep us from going back to the crowd and calling out those who are crowded, to finding those who need to hear that there is a place where you can have true communion with God where it's not dog eat dog, but it is love one another. And that's what Jennings reminded me of by taking us, by taking me to Luke 5.1. We could go to other places, of course, in Luke, Luke 5, Luke 8, when the crowd is pressing around Jesus and he feels the woman touch him, touch and and. In the midst of the crowd, he does. Or, or we could go back to where we were with Zacchaeus. He's, Jesus is in the crowd, and yet he sees and, and calls to Zacchaeus. So following the example of Jesus, we must go to the crowd. But there's more to it than that. We must go to the crowd because we are Christ's body. We are the ones with the spirit of life the spirit of truth we are the ones who according to uh, in the words of our articles of faith are god's stewards and trustees and ambassadors to the world but in today's message the crowd terry cross who in his book called the people of god's presence says it this way The church consists of humans who have been drawn into the life of God and who have come out of that love-enriched environment with power to breathe that love in the face of hatred, bigotry, persecution, and injustice. We are drawn together into God's presence to swim in the triune fellowship as if it were a deep ocean of life-giving oxygen so that we may enter the polluted world of sin where toxicity spews forth. We are called to witness to a different way of living from the noxious one that is all around us, giving others a taste of what it means to breathe the life-giving air of the Spirit of God. Do you recognize the crowd? Call it out for what it is. Do you recognize that if you have responded to Jesus, you have been called out of the crowd, and your identity now is not defined by what the crowd says about you, but who God says about you, what Christ says about you, and that we live accordingly? And then this morning, are we then following Jesus and caring for the crowd? Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we confess that too often we allow the, uh, the voices that are still a part of the, uh, the, the faceless crowd to define who we are. And just this morning, Father, we come before you, those who have heard your voice, those who have responded to the word, and we just commit ourselves to once again ignoring those voices and prioritizing and focusing in on your voice as our shepherd. We commit ourselves this morning, Father, to, to living it, it, with the fruit that is in keeping with the repentance of, uh, of, uh, of loving one another and seeking the good of the other. And Father, this morning, direct our steps as we now care for those who still need to find meaning, identity in their creator, the one in whose image they are created, but just don't even know it yet. Direct us. We love you. We love you. In Christ, by the Spirit. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you once again for listening to the Criswell College Chapel Podcast. Please make sure to visit criswell.edu to learn more about Criswell College. We hope that you will join us again soon. God bless you.